creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. So take me on April 5th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And sitting in for the whole show today, I guessed celebrity cast member, Liz <laughs> Forkin Bohannon. Welcome. Happy to be here, guys. From Portland, Oregon. Okay, before we get to know Liz and I tell you about what's coming up on the show, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Creating your site with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plug-in. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails with one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace, set your website apart. Well, like I said, joining us for the whole show today is Liz Forkin Bohannon from Portland, Oregon. She is the, an entrepreneur. She's a speaker. She's a podcaster. She's founder of Seiko Designs, a fashion brand started to enable high potential talented young women in Uganda to continue on to college. Welcome. Wow, Cameron, to that, was, that was slick. That was good. I should take you on the road with me. I'm a professional <laughs> podcaster and hype man. Hype man, hype yeah. man. You're like, you know what? How, do you guys watch Veep? It's yeah. like yeah. if Gary was also really well-spoken. <laughs> if you could be my Gary, that would be amazing. Can't separate, cannot separate Gary from being very poorly spoken in my mind. Yeah. This, is a, this is a real clash of, of vibes. So re- it's relevant, true. It's true. relevant podcast network listeners might know Liz because she was a, a guest a cast member on season two of the Love and Money podcast, right? Yeah, that's Correct. right. And she is and working on launching her own podcast coming up soon, TBD. She's also about to release her first book. Tell us about, well, first of all, tell us about the book and then also tell us about Seiko Designs. Okay. Well, I'll tell you about Seiko first because the book kind of alludes. So um, Seiko, as you mentioned, is a socially conscious fashion brand. I started Seiko almost our 10 year birthday is this summer, which is pretty wild. Um, It's also comes about two months after my 10 year wedding anniversary. So you can do some math and envision what the first year of our marriage was like. We launched a company and got married. Within about three yeah. months of one another, I would recommend it highly to any newlyweds for sure. Um, so I started Seiko. I moved to um, Uganda when I was 22. I had a master's degree in journalism and wanted to be a human rights reporter and moved to Uganda to learn more about the issues that were facing women and girls living in extreme poverty. And 
really long story short, ended up meeting some incredible young women in between high school and university that tested into college, but couldn't afford to go. And so my new kind of mission in life became figuring out a way to bridge the gap between high school and university for these young women. And I started a charity and then realized I couldn't start a charity and that we need to be investing in um, mutually beneficial marketplace solutions to solve some of the world's most interesting problems. Started a chicken farm that failed and then invented a pair of strappy sandals. And that um, miraculously kind of worked. And 10 years later, we are a full-on women's lifestyle fashion brand. So we sell the product um, through a network of female entrepreneurs here in the U.S. that enable women in East Africa and around the globe to go on to school and pursue their dreams. And that's Seiko. Wow. Liz, I feel like I just got a 90-second TED Talk, and it was awesome. Like, that was very good. I, I'm going to guess this is the first time you've kind of given the, the, <laughs> the elevator, the, the pitch, elevator yeah. pitch, because that was, oh, that was very no, good. Oh, no. That was definitely, that was so on the fly, and I've never said any of that before. Just real, <laughs> only the freshest material for you guys and the relevant podcast Can I do a quick listeners. follow-up question? Liz, you said something in there that I just, I'm just really curious about. Let's go back to the failed chicken farm really fast. I know it's a minor point. I know it's an asterisk, but it seems like kind of an mm-hmm. important one. And I just want to hear at what point you How realized this is not happening. This yeah, isn't what, what was the point where you said this has failed? Did they all die? Did they get out? Like what happened? Okay, this is a great question. I would love to tell you that there were no chickens harmed in the making of this life story. Okay. (laughs) So there were two things. One is the more boring answer that it just economically didn't make sense. It was like to do agriculture, you kind of have to do it at a certain scale. I was bootstrapping this company. I had three women that I had promised to help kind of bridge this gap between high school and university. And the math just didn't work out. The second thing is that I woke up every, I was probably, I don't know how long I worked on it for a couple months, maybe six weeks. And literally every morning that I woke up, I dreaded my existence. I was just (laughs) like, there was like nothing in me. You guys, I have just come to realize, I don't know how much you've been like up close and personal with chickens. It's a love. You either love it or you hate it. And they (laughs) wig me the freak out. They're just gross. And they're like the the very unsettling head movement. Yeah. It's so unpleasant. So the funny thing is I now live in Portland, Oregon, and I live on an urban commune. That's a whole different story. It's a little bit of a strong word, but we joke and say that's what it is. And of course, because we live on a Portland. Is it an an apartment complex? And because you're in Portland, you guys call it an urban commune? Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we own property with our friends. And we built like we bought one kind of single family unit or... um, piece of property and then we built a couple we built three skinny houses on the on the uh, one property and so we share all that and because we're in portland and we're living in an urban commune of course we have to have chickens um and they're like were the bane of my existence it was like i would wake up every morning and hear these chickens and it just was like this painful reminder of my failures you know they would be like <laughs> bark, 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 my failure um <laughs> And then they all died. And they're, the joke in our community is that I Wait. slowly, one by one, killed off all of I, the I like chickens. I just breezed over it. They all died, you really seriously. Yada, yada. You really yada yada that died. Over like years. I know I'm going to get some angry people that like are mad about me not being nice about animals. But one morning I did. This was completely on accident. We also have a dog. 
and I let the dog accidentally into the chicken pin and it was bad. It was bad. And it was like five 30 in the morning. And I'm like screaming bloody murder because I'm like, I need someone to come help me save the chickens. But in my head, I'm like, kind of sad for the chickens, but I'm really sad for myself. I'm like, no one will believe that this is an accident. You can't make so many jokes about killing the commune chickens and then be the one that lets the dog into the pen. You've got motive. You had means. You had the opportunity. It's all, it doesn't look good for you, Liz. It does not look good. Two, two observations about this first. One is failed chicken farm is a great band name and I call it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be like an avant-garde uh, indie rock band failed chicken farm. F- also, F- I, t- I think I told, I told the story before my buddy, he had the same. He had the same impulse, Liz. He was he was going to build a chicken coop in his backyard, and you know he spent all this money on this like fancy chicken house, and he bought chickens and feed and the whole all the all that. And I was like, dude, why are you doing this? He's like, dude, think he's got he's got like four kids, and he's like, think about in the long run how much I'm going to save on eggs. And I'm like, dude, eggs are super cheap. How much is a dozen <laughs> eggs? Like three bucks? Yeah, so cheap. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking decades of chicken farm ownership before you start seeing return on this week one, he goes out there one. He think he's like, thank God I got up the, the earliest because I looked in the backyard and it was like someone had like a, a, like a box truck full of feather pillows exploded in my backyard. He's like, there was nothing but feathers everywhere. Evidently like a weasel or a fox or something got back there and just slaughtered all of them. It, he said it was just a massacre. He's never seen anything like it. And that was literally a week after owning the chicken. So I, I, I don't think you're alone in your hatred of that venture Liz. Yeah, I feel alone, but I, I, I think that we're just a silent majority. Like, I think that people in our country don't feel the freedom to be honest about their feelings of chickens, especially not in Portland, Oregon. Are you kidding me? I can't admit that I don't want chickens. That puts me on like a Portland terrorist watch list. Those, these are not emotions that I am allowed to express freely in my community. So instead, I guess I'm just doing it on a national platform, which seems dangerous to me and my family. Is is a backyard chicken the official bird of the state of Oregon? Because I yes. feel like it should be. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, it should be. It's either that or back or front yard goat. That's a big trend here. <laughs> like to Seriously, do like to handle like the. Uh, know, do like you want to know what I'm doing in a couple weekends with some girlfriends? I'm just confirming all of your stereotypes about Portland right now. Don't worry, we're gonna do goat yoga. Uh, this I, is where you go do yoga and goats wander around while you yoga. This is a thing. We'll pay good money to do this. I've seen by these the way. videos. They like stand on I, you while you're doing your like you're yes, in your downward I, dog, and they can like they stand on your butt. And it's this is the thing. You're exactly right. We have a great show coming up for you today. Uh, joining us later, Taraji P. Henson joins us. She stars as Cookie Lion in the TV hit Empire, as well as films like Hidden Figures, Hustle and Flow. She also stars in the new movie, The Best of Enemies, that tells the true story of civil rights activist Anne Atwater. It releases today. And to celebrate the release of the movie, she is joining us on today's podcast. So it's pretty exciting. That's Uh, amazing. Liz, uh, before we move on to uh, the hot list, I have a couple of leftover table topics uh, cards here in front of me from last week's podcast. And I'd like to lob them to you to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. okay. Um, they, they all I'm involve nervous. goat yoga. Liz Fork and <laughs> Bohannon, table topic number one. 
How do you measure success? Oh my gosh. Start out with something a little bit more uh, serious, will you? Uh, okay. How do I measure success? Yeah. I think, I believe deep in the kind of most core part of my gut that every human is created on purpose and for purpose. And I think success is about living a life that will push you closer to becoming more of who you were created to be. There you go. Come on now. Preach. Uh, wow. Liz Fork and Bohannon, uh, uh, what habit of yours, what habit of yours needs to change ASAP? Oh, what habit? Yeah. Oh, probably something hygiene related. <laughs> I won't get into details. I mean, I just like, I should probably... Um, Brush Wash my hair more. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Well, especially if you're going to be rolling around in the dirt with goats. Goats, around. yeah. That seems, yeah. yeah. It seems like hygiene is not the first thing you want to go. If goat yoga is part of the... Yeah. You know, the mix, yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liz Forkin Bohannon, uh, do you, do others perceive you differently than you are? Do others perceive you Oh my gosh, you differently that is such are? a good question. I think yes. I do not find myself to be the most self-aware person. It's an interesting thing. It's something that I, um, not being self-aware has incredible benefits in your life. And then it also has disadvantages. So So it's an interesting thing that I'm like, I actually don't want to get rid of completely because I find, because I can be a little bit unaware of things and how people are perceiving me that it actually creates a sense of freedom that I think some other people don't experience that it's like, I can kind of just be who I am. It's like, people are like, aren't you afraid of making people mad? Or aren't you afraid of this? And I'm like, I actually just have such selective perception of what's going on around me that, um, I don't know. I just don't find myself to be very aware of those things. So it creates a lot of freedom. However, there have been times in my life where someone will perceive me in a specific way that feels very different than how I felt in the moment. And that that never feels good where you're like, no, that actually wasn't what I was trying to communicate. So, um, yeah, I do think that there's a little bit of a difference between how I'm perceived and sometimes my intentions in a situation. Yeah. Okay. Liz Bohannon, if you're feeling low, What's your trick Mm -hmm. to feeling better? What's your trick? Oh my gosh. This is like so cliche and probably not interesting, but my, my kids, my babies, I just feel like there is, um, just turning off my phone, getting really up close, like just hanging out with my kids, going to a park. I have yet to experience something where that is not the centering antidote of just like, this is life and this is like what matters. And I want to be totally present right here in this moment. And specifically, I mean, my kids just have this magical ability to kind of bring me back to the present and center me. And it's so fun. Liz, that was a beautiful answer. We also would have accepted uh, just the feeling of letting a dog run loose through the urban commune <laughs> and just really letting him Murdering do what you've always wanted to do. Just, just letting him massacre. Just letting nature run its course, you know, just with free <laughs> nature As to God do its thing. Dogs do what the, they, what they the were created to life, do. You know? <laughs> Helping my dog feel its true purpose and calling in life and do what it was Playing created. A- to do 
playing a little bit of Phil Collins circle of life. Isn't that Phil Collins yeah. in Lion King? As yeah. I let the dogs murder <laughs> the chickens. It's the circle of life. I picture you like in the back of a town car with the windows rolled down, like just watching at a distance <laughs> and you see the dog walk in the chicken coop and you just, you see like the Tasmanian devil cloud of feathers and dirt just rolling. And you look at the driver and you're like, it's done. Let's go. And, it's and, then, and then it closes there. just with a shot of me in like the rear view mirror, just like, and then the horizon <laughs> shot of me driving off into the distance. The wow. I am, I am, um, this is becoming quite maniacal. Liz Fork and Bohannon. And we know you grew up in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. Missouri. Um, final question. Who was your nemesis in school? Oh my gosh. Who was my nemesis? And let's call them right now. <laughs> that would be a, so. Okay, there were a few people who. Um, okay, so this is a story that I just remember. There was a boy in my class. This was actually a really. Sign- I don't know if I would call him my nemesis, but in my like own personal narrative, he definitely um, is the only person I can think of from middle school who has a part. When I was in seventh grade, this boy. Uh, I was like leading our class lip sync, which was a big deal when big you're a seventh grader. Big deal. And <laughs> in front of all of my friends and like everybody in the class, he called me a feminazi. And oh, that wow. like, became, what grade was like, this? A, <laughs> this was very, what? This was grade seventh was this? grade. It's very political. So, yeah. It's very political. Well read. Like Tucker Super Carlson. Political. Was that I was going to say, you went to school with a young Tucker Carlson? <laughs> like he was... <laughs> So, this, so my nemesis Tucker, his name was Tucker T- Tarlson. <laughs> um, and anyway, the nickname like kind of stuck and no. it came this like joke. And like every time that I would like speak up or be loud or be quote unquote bossy, someone would be like, Oh, the feminazis here. And no it was way. like pretty formative for me. It was like the thing that I think at such an early age, I, I was like, one, what does that even mean? I, you know, when you're like, somebody calls you something and you don't know what it means and you're 13, you obviously pretend like you do. And then you go home and you try to figure it out. So I was like, feminazi, like, what does that even mean? And it really sent me into this kind of like spiral of thinking about like gender and power. And like, why is it that when I like speak up and I'm loud and I'm like leading a group of people, I I'm being like shamed and called this super intense name. But yet when this guy does the same thing, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's such a leader. Look at him. And um, that was really formative to me. And I I would credit probably this kid with kind of sending me on a path of interest and curiosity that was actually pretty formative. But at the time, I just hated him. I thought he was awful. And I dreaded seeing him in the hallway. And um, maybe I could call him a nemesis. I was going to say, it sounds like someone, does he work in the current White House administration? It sounds like a <laughs> bright future there, for this young man. Uh, there, I mean, there, may be, uh, there may be some familial connection. That is, that is such an interesting story to me. I it mean, the really fact is. that like this kid was threatened by your strength. So he tried to like, you know, elevate himself by knocking you down. There's a whole thing there. But like the fact that you actually am, and, and subconsciously or maybe consciously embraced it and saying, no, I am a strong female and I'm not going to be let you put me in my place or whatever. And now you are, I mean, look at your life story since then. I mean, you have yeah. achieved and created and led and you're enacting change and changing lives. And I mean, it, I mean, 
I don't know. Like, it's really cool. I mean, it's funny that it goes back to that. And that moment was right there, top of mind, right under the surface. Maybe I should call him and thank him. Thank him. Do you know what yeah. I actually did? This may be too graphic for the internet. I don't know if I can say this out loud. You guys will edit it if you can't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I got not. a group of, so he, um, so he was, you know, credited with giving me this nickname. And this was like a few years later because this happened in middle school. And then in high school, he was still a little butt face. <laughs> so, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 we punch up. They go, they go low, we go high. Liz. Butt face. No, not in my you world. If they go low, I get angry. I got a group of girlfriends together. We could drive at the time. We went to Sam's Club and bought like 10 packs of these, like those like massive old school maxi pads, the ones that are like three inches thick. <laughs> And um, bulk ketchup and basically like vandalized his house. And this was my like, if you want to like, you want to talk about, you want to shame me for being a woman. And um, it felt like a very, I I had a streak of vindictive vandalism in my history. A few bullies also kind of went after my sister when she was in middle school and may have gotten similar treatment. So anyway, that was my way of dealing with hard things. This wasn't things a in high fun school. prank. This wasn't a like we're in a prank war. This was an actual. This no. was vengeance. Let, let's this, hear was, it. this was justice. Whether, right, here's okay, why. Here's why I appreciate it. Hangover. I feel like I should not have told that story. It's very weird. It's very weird. I, no. You've given a lot ideas to a lot of people just now. But first of all, <laughs> but I love this interesting part of you that you had a streak of vindictive vandalism, which started in high school. School, and up until recently when you released a dog in the chicken coop that you yeah, didn't I, like. I mean, vindictive vandalism seems to be a through line in your life story. The story that you could tell against me in the court of law against the chickens is only getting stronger. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. To your point, like, about how influential it was in my life, though, Cameron, like, so not to be all pop culture on us, but I'm going to go into the Enneagram. So oh, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So I'm a shocking. challenger. Shocker. So, <laughs> Are you sure? Just kidding. I'm just going to here. Can we get a strong I don't know about that. two out of you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it makes me think like that experience elicited, like I, I wanted to challenge this and specifically this guy who kind of represented this uh, voice. But I thought often throughout that, like, I know I, when I felt shame, it inspired me to kind of be, um, to kind of dig into that and to like want to challenge it. But I know that that's not how a lot of people operate and it was really powerful. It's been a driving force in my life that it's like how many 12 year old girls get publicly humiliated and then their reaction is just to retreat. Like don't Mm. speak up again. Don't risk humiliation again. Like Mm. it's not worth it. And so that does feel it. There's a part of me that kind of feels like for whatever reason, God created me with this kind of odd spirit. And like, it feels, it feels imperative to me that it's like, I, I don't ignore that part of who I was created to be because I know that that a lot of people don't naturally react in that way. And it does feel, yeah, it feels like there's kind of like a sense of responsibility in that. Um, because I think about the amount of probably 12-year-old girls that had a really similar experience, um, but that caused kind of an opposite reaction. And that feels really significant to me. That is fascinating. Yeah. Did, and, you, and you said like you kind of like stood up for your sister when she was 
bullied oh in middle gosh. school. And like you, like, I'm not going to let, that's interesting. And even the work you're doing, like standing in the gap for the young women in Uganda, that you're like, I'm going to help, you know, like I will, your, your economic situation or your culture, or your situation isn't allowing you to thrive. I will stand up and help you thrive. Like, it's like you have this through line of like standing up to the oppressive forces in your life, you know what I mean? Or that are yeah. out there. And I think that that's why Enneagram was really enlightening for me is just recognizing how eights are so in, they're not only incredibly attuned to power and power dynamics and like recognizing what the power dynamics are, but then it's like my trigger is seeing power abused in in any capacity. So whether that's with, you know, against my nine-year-old sister, whether, you know, or it's more systematically globally on a policy level about, you know, injustice and lack of opportunity for women and girls globally. It doesn't really matter what the scale is. I have come to know in myself that that is like a massive trigger for me when I see a power imbalance. And then when I see power being abused, it's just like, it's a very gut, like visceral reaction. Yeah. That luckily, 10 or 20 years later, I've um, refined a little bit. So I'm happy to say I'm no longer vandalizing people's homes with maxi pads. Vindictive so that feels vandalism. like a step in the right direction. <laughs> no, she's not doing vindictive vandalism. She's just doing random vandalism. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, now it's more just random. I say vigilante justice. In my, I just have like a little wheel with everybody that I know on it that I just spin on a weekly basis. And it, it's much more um, free-spirited these days. Do, do, do you know what ever happened to your bully? I'm assuming prison. I'm assuming he's in prison. I'm assuming you framed him and Paul- uh, uh, the White House, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Oval Office. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I actually looked him up on Facebook because I, I talk about the story in my book and I tried to find him on Facebook. And shockingly, I actually couldn't. So I have no yeah. I have no context. Dead. I really wanted to Prison. use his name in the He's book. Dead. And then my publishers Prison. were like, no, you can't do that. So I had to use a fake name. You know, I recently I looked name. up my uh, old bully on Facebook. I was just curious. I think we were talking about in the off the other day, like who was your like who was your yeah. childhood nemesis? And I looked up my bully, thinking that all those old like stories about how uh, you know they 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 end up like miserable while you end up successful are true. Looks like he's doing really well. Got a, <laughs> like, looks really happy. It's a real Pretty bummer. wife, nice kids. Looks like he's yeah, got he's a got really it. rewarding job. Looks like he's doing great. He's like a, he's like a banker or something, a wealthy <laughs> banker with a lots of sports cars and boats Super and happy stuff. And content so with his life. A, I don't know. As far as I can tell on Facebook, he's he's just doing a just a real fun. drag. Just a real drag. Maybe I should have gone I after his find my guy. Yeah. All right. Well, it was fun to get to know Liz. Uh, stay tuned. Coming up next, uh, the hot list. Two fits in the tantrums. Song is one, two, three, four, five, six, which is how I test my mic level. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Foster the People with Style. Okay, it is time for. The hot list. The hot list. It's sizzling. Oh, man. I'm still, I'm still not comfortable Great. with that. I know I know the items we're talking about this week yeah. uh, in the hot list, and that's yeah. not the only time Yacht Rock is going to come up. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. a little teaser. Uh, coming in number five this week on the hot list, Steph Curry. NBA superstar Steph Curry is bringing competitive 
mini golf to television. Yes. Uh, he's continuing his second career as a Hollywood mogul and is teaming up with ABC for a new new show called Holy Moly, which will feature <laughs> mini golf enthusiasts squaring off to win twenty five thousand uh, dollars. Steph's going to executive produce the show through his company Unanimous Media, which he launched to create faith based and family friendly television shows and movies based in the world of sports. He also served as its resident golf pro on the show. Uh, unanimous co-founder Jaron Smith told Variety this week, we aim to use entertainment as a vehicle to bring families together. And this show will surely bring laughter and enjoyment to households around the country. Um, and explaining his vision for unanimous, Steph told a Variety, it's not about me hitting people over the head with a Bible and telling them they have to believe a certain thing or think a certain way. I don't mind being called corny. I'm comfortable with who I am. Steph Curry, everybody. See, here's here's what I'm curious about. He says that he says that competitive mini golf is going to bring families together. In my experience, it rips families apart. I come from a very competitive family, <laughs> and that mini golf course, it's every man, it's every person yeah. in the family is yeah. you know is on their own team, and we put a couple dollars on every hole. At the end of it, no one's talking to each any of anybody. It's 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 a disaster every time. I want to see how he's going to bring this together as a unifying force. Also. I want to be on this show very, very bad. Like this seems like, like, you know, there's so many of these reality shows are so high stress, you know, survivor. They're standing on poles for like four days. Liz, you were on shark tank one time, you yeah. know, having to look so across. Stressful. Yeah. So stressful. I would so much rather play mini golf. I mean, imagine if there's some sort of hybrid between competitive mini golf and Shark Tank. I mean, it's Shark like <laughs> if you get the hole in one, you get the funding. I don't know. It would just I Liz, like your it. your jaw dropped. I saw when Cameron read this new. You looked very very excited. Does this, does mini golf hold a special place in your heart? <laughs> well, Missouri. She grew up in Missouri. Yeah. That's all there is. Yeah, to I do. guess that. What? Yeah. No, stop it. Okay, so I'm not a hundred percent sure who Steph Curry is, but I think he's a sports person. He's right. One of the uh, yeah. he, he is Liz, a sports person. He's an Liz Forgan Bohannon. He is an NBA superstar. He's a multiple time champion, okay. scoring champion, MVP. He's one of the yeah, best yes, basketball yes, players yes, in yes, history. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Cameron, you need to be gentle because I just I'm I'm revealing my true self, okay. which is that I just I was like as soon as you said Steph Curry, I was like I think he's a sports person and now I'm not going to be able to participate in this conversation. And then you said mini golf. And I was like I'm back in the game. I'm back in the game. I know mini golf. I can be a part of this. You um, seem so like that you was my thoughts about mini golf. It was less about a passion for mini golf, but you know, I I I've had my fair share of mini golf experiences and it just felt it felt good to be to be a part of the gang again yep. yeah. uh going in number four this week on the hot list uh johnny swim our friends johnny swim uh they were on the cover of relevant last fall uh abner's on the current episode of unedited uh new johnny swim has a new song that released this week featuring a collaboration with michael mcdonald uh, the songs from their new album, Moonlight, which comes out April 19th. So mark your calendars. Um, and, and it has kind of like, I don't know, the the king, you know, we could all agree that Michael McDonald is the king of Yacht Rock. Undisputed. I don't even know who the prince would be. Right. Abner, when he was talking to me on unedited about the show or about the song, he was saying like he wrote the song. They wrote the song. They were in the studio and they're like, this hook. Can you imagine if like, like when when they wrote it, they were like, I hear like Michael McDonald singing it. You know, wouldn't it be crazy if we get Michael McDonald? And then like, sure enough, they were able to like track him down. And he said yes. So here's a clip of Michael McDonald 
on the new Johnny Swim song, The Last Time. Here it is. Cameron, I, I, I like how you told that story because in my mind, Abner and Amanda are in the studio with like the recording engineer, and you're like, they were like, you know, who would be awesome on the, you know, to to to, to be guest yeah. vocals on this? So like, Michael McDonald, and all of a sudden he disappears. Like he's literally, he's like, Does someone say Michael McDonald? If it's for you, and they're like, what? He even knows the song? He just appeared. Like it, it's like just a magic pizza, thing. The and they're like, all the pizzas guys here, and then they open the door. No, boo, <laughs> no, he's a legend. He's not ordering. He's not delivering pizza. Oh. Did it, yeah, he answers the door. Does someone order a Michael McDonald? Oh, <laughs> Well, Moonlight drops on April 19th. You don't want to miss it. Another little little nugget about the album is Abner and Amanda just uh, celebrated their 10-year wedding anniversary. And as a present for her, he went, Abner went in to the studio and wrote and recorded a song called Amanda. She knew nothing about it. And on their 10-year anniversary last week, he played it for her for the first time and it's going to be on the album. It's an incredible oh, that's song. Horrible. That's yeah. so sweet. That wow. also gives me major anxiety about... Uh, expectations. I hope my husband does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> you've got a ten year. You've got a ten year coming up too, right? It's it's right around the corner, and I don't feel great about now having that lodged into my head because that's awesome. Well, if you start speculating about a Michael McDonald song, he might just yeah, drop in. Here, out here's of all you need to Night do. Jess. Here's all you need to do. You're like uh, for the anniversary this year. I got you a special performance by. Michael McDonald. And you just look around and it's like, okay, he's supposed to appear. Like I said his name <laughs> in the context of music. If it's for you, where is he? Can you Michael. imagine if you could like hire Michael McDonald to do like those singing telegram things? That'd be pretty cool. Having him show up at the house, do a little... See, that's what I was going for with the surprise pizza delivery. <laughs> but Same like, thing. You open the door thinking you're going to get one thing and then, oh my gosh, it's something totally unexpected. It's, like, right. it's the, it's it's the same It'd be cool the if it was both, too. Like and pizza oh, makes everything better. I don't pizza. care who you are. I don't care who you are. If you walk into a room with the pizza, it's right. even better than if you didn't have one. <laughs> that yeah, is true. All right. True. right? All right, coming in at number three this week on the hot list, uh, a prayer by Virginia Tech basketball coach Buzz Williams went viral. First of all, that's a pretty cool first name, Buzz. Very, uh, it's a cool name in general, Buzz Williams. Nice to meet you, you know. <laughs> uh, Virginia Tech lost to Duke during uh, the NCAA March Madness tournament in a heartbreaking fashion when they missed a layup at the buzzer, which would have won the game for them. In the locker room after the game, uh, Coach Williams and the players laid their hands on the team's three seniors and prayed for more than six minutes. Uh, he not only encouraged each of the seniors, he also passionately prayed for them as they prepare for the next season of life. Here's a clip of the prayer. It went viral. Uh, thank you for the four years he's been with us. Thank you for his mom and how she supported him. Thank you that he was in our first recruiting class and believed in us when there was nothing to believe. 
God, I pray that you would give him great peace on all the decisions that are coming his way in the next seven months. Pray that you would surround him with people that have wisdom, people that he can trust. God, I pray that you'd allow him to process all of the different choices and that you would give him comfort that his decision is the right one. Man, I, I watched the, the, that whole video. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie, I got a little choked up. It reminded me of the old hot seat. Did you guys ever do the hot seat when you were like in youth group oh, or like yeah. Bible study? We're sure. like, all right, you I'm sit in the familiar. chair in the middle. Everyone's going to lay your hands on and say a prayer. And you're just, you're just bawling. You're about to graduate high school. And you got all your friends praying for you. Like, oh, God. Oh, thank you. That's how this was for these three seniors. I got a little choked up. Good for Buzz Williams, you know, turning a, a sad loss into, you know, a pretty touching video there. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, coming in number two on the hot list this week, Kanye West announced he's going to host a Sunday service Easter morning at Coachella. He's <laughs> He was reportedly in talks to headline the festival, but backed out over a dispute about staging. However, this, the festival's second weekend falls on Easter Sunday. And to mark the holiday, Kanye is going to host one of his gatherings that have featured preaching, gospel-inspired performances, and prayer, which up until now have been invite-only. Um, if you, I don't know if you recall, but last year at Coachella, Justin Bieber made a surprise appearance during a Sunday morning um, service where he led worship at a church home event at the festival. So look at Coachella. Yeah. Get, that, get some, I, I you, you, you're introducing that slice. But I went through a range of emotions because it started Kanye West and I was like, oh, this could go any direction and anything's possible now. It's hosting a Sunday morning, oh, one of his Sunday morning things, Easter service. Oh, that's kind of cool at yeah. Coachella. And then I'm back and this could go any direction. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going to, this could look like a lot of things right now. I'm pretty sure like Lauren Daigle's playing all the festivals this year. So like if she's there, I want to see her come out with Kanye and, and Kanye you know, do a little yeah, collab. Exactly. Yeah. It could yeah, happen. Cool. Stranger things. Have happened. I've I've enjoyed the clips, honestly, that I've seen of Kanye's Sunday service. I've so far, I think they they look like a really good time. Everybody seems like they're having fun, and uh, the music is good. The worship seems genuine. So I'm not opposed to the Sunday services at all. I just know that that Kanye's. Uh, you just never know what you're going to get with Kanye. It's, it's a mystery package. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Package. I, the only thing that would make that Sunday service at Coachella better is if right in the middle of the service. Kanye is like, and now my very special guest, who he has not prepared at all, <laughs> Michael, Michael McDonald. <laughs> Waiting for you. <laughs> what? What? Heads just explode. Everyone. This is going out to Liz Fork and Bohannon's husband in the celebration of their 10-year anniversary today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great. Now my job is done. That's all I needed. <laughs> all right. Uh, coming in at number one this week on the hot list. Lecrae had some moving thoughts in, this week in the wake of the death of Nipsey Hussle. The LA-based rapper, activist, and entrepreneur was murdered outside of a store he owned last weekend. It's been all over the news and social media this week. Along with his music, Nipsey Hussle was known for his work within the community and was scheduled to meet with LAPD officials this week to discuss initiatives to combat gang violence. In an Instagram video, Lecrae encouraged his fans to continue work that Nipsey was passionate about and to invest in churches and communities affected by violence. Here's a clip. So I hear about Nipsey last night and uh, this isn't my opportunity to insert myself in the story. You know, I think a lot of people just want to insert themselves in the narrative. And this is when I talk to him and how I, whatever. It's about this man and his family and his ideals. And I want to see his ideals continue to thrive. 
you know, like when I stopped drinking alcohol, I started drinking sparkling water all the time because I needed a replacement. And a lot of us want to see the violence and whatnot eradicated from underserved communities, but we're not providing no replacements. We're not providing opportunities and jobs, hope, purpose, faith. And that's what we got to continue to do, y'all. We got to continue to invest in education, invest in churches, invest in uh, job opportunities and entrepreneurship in our own communities. And so it breaks my heart to see Nipsey pass, but I know for a fact he would want this ideal and this vision to continue going, to continue pushing. So we got to pick up the mantle. Yeah, no, I really appreciate those thoughts a lot, Bradley Cray. And two, like it shows the other side of him in addition to be an artist being an artist, he is a really gifted like preacher and teacher, you know, just using the analogy he did there of, you know, replace, you know, having to replace something bad with something good. You can't just take something bad away. You need to like fill in, you mm-hmm. know, kind of um, those, you know, kind of holes in the community. And I, I appreciate his thoughts. And I, you know, he's been doing a lot of speaking at like churches and different events. And I think he's, he's really gifted at that. And that was, um, some really powerful, concise thoughts in you know the wake of a of a real tragedy. There you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for. Waiting for you. <laughs> Michael McDonald. Come on in. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Taraji P. Henson joins us. You're listening to Grimes. The song is pretty dark. Well, Taraji P. Henson is an award-winning actress and best-selling author known for her roles in films like Hidden Figures, Hustle and Flow, and the starring role on the show Empire as Cookie. In her new film, The Best of Enemies, which releases today, she plays civil rights activist Anne Atwater, who helped desegregate schools in North Carolina in the 1970s and whose unlikely friendships with a KKK leader named C.P. Ellis led to him leaving the racist organization and actually working alongside her. Our very own Tyler Daswick talked with Taraji about the film and the role that her personal faith plays in her career. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Tell yeah. us uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was fun talking to Taraji, because she's been in so many different kinds of stuff. She's kind of been in these sort of like romantic thrillers, kind of lifetime, daytime kind of stuff. But she's also been the star of action movies and these historical dramas like Hidden Figures. And she was in Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So her career has been really, really diverse. And I was curious how that diversity contributed to her outlook and perspective. Uh, So here's what she said. I I think... um I tap into things I didn't know about myself, <laughs> you know, um, I tap into how closely I pay attention. I, you know, I, people watch all the time and I'm watching expressions and I'm the person, the weirdo in the restaurant looking and I'm trying to figure out, is that a first date? Are they newlyweds? Are they, look at their body language. You know, that's me. So it amazes me how much of it sticks. Like when I'm in the moment, like I don't have a, a, a notebook where I go, ooh, I remember how I responded. It just, I collect it all in my head. And then when it's time to use it, it just amazes me that it comes out so quick. Like, wow, I had, had that in the store bank. I didn't know. Huh. The, uh, the, 
The self-discovery side of acting is always fun for me to hear about. It's very like foo-foo theater, but uh, it really does take people to headspaces they might not have otherwise. I'm always, always people watching and trying yeah. to figure out what the story is, but I'm not an award-winning actress. Either, right. You know? So I don't, I don't have anything to do with all this, you know, but I definitely want to figure all of it out. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I feel like I should have gone into acting if that's what it takes to really prepare because I'm always looking at people. I'm like, okay, that woman over there, she's having a very, uh, oh, this looks like a tough conversation with what appears to be her spouse. I think she just told him that she didn't get anything for the anniversary and Michael McDonald is not coming. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it. What, what I, drama. I'm a little bummed because I, I actually ran into Taraji P. Henson in a, in a restaurant recently and she was scoping me out. I thought maybe she thought I'd be like really good in an upcoming role in a movie or like a, that I could be a, that I could really make it in Hollywood. But now I just see she's preparing for her next role as a really basic white guy on a podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from there, I was curious if there was a specific role from Taraji's career that compelled her to think about faith. She's very open and, and open about being a Christian. Uh, so I was, I was kind of looking for one part that she would connect to that, but she kind of threw me a curveball. Instead of naming one part... I denounce everything. She, <laughs> <laughs> she, said, she, she said all her roles actually push her in that direction. Here's the clip. I'm a very spiritual, spiritual person in life, period. Um, I don't do anything without talking to God first, you know, so... That's just who I am, and definitely it's all in my work. You know, um, I, I think all of my characters, I incorporate that in, because all of my characters come from, most of them, a lot of them come from these desperate, traumatic places, so you need something to hold on to morally for the characters. And because I play a lot of morally correct characters, there has to be religion in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? For those characters, for people to believe and trust in the characters, you know? That was uh that was fun for me to to hear about as a creative thinker because so often you uh look at you know actors and actresses and they just go all into the role and they kind of they strip away all these judgments beforehand but I thought it was really cool that she injects parts of herself into these mm. performances. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that she's kind of going against the notion that it's I don't know, the whole sacred secular divide that it's like, hey, mm. if I'm my role is to observe people and then as an artist, try to use my craft to elicit some sense of, of truth, then isn't it all kind of sacred and isn't it all spiritual because we're all kind of on that journey and path. And I love that she doesn't really differentiate between that. I think that's yeah. awesome. Totally. That's such a great point. And I think for audiences, it presents, uh, an audience, uh, someone they can latch onto in a stronger mm -hmm. way than mm -hmm. a character who just wants power or money or to save their kidnapped son or mm -hmm. whatever. There's a little more. Why are you throwing Liam Neeson under the under the bus? <laughs> Wait, watch your head. Go I, to I Liam think that was Neeson. a Halle Berry saved son. kidnapped yeah. kids. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. But hey, listen. Even child kidnappers are Imago Day and made in the image of God. <laughs> However you portray them, that is a spiritual even chicken action. killers. You know, vid <laughs> they're all. Vigilant. Anti-vandals. <laughs> the worst monster society has to offer. None of us are too far gone, you guys. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I posed that difference to Taraji, that foundational difference, and she had a very cool response. Let's listen. Acting is very spiritual because it's almost like 
a possession, like not in a bad way, not like the devil or demon or anything like that, but it's almost, I won't even say a possession. It's, it's like um, <laughs> you're letting these characters use your body as a vessel. You know what I mean? Mm. So that means you have to surrender all of your insecurities. You have to surrender and give over everything about you that makes you uncomfortable. And you literally have to surrender yourself to the truth of these characters. Mm. Wow. So that means you have to, you can't judge. You, you actually have to think like Jesus or Buddha. You can't judge. You have to love mm. each and every one of the characters because if you love them, then the audience will have empathy. If you love mm-hmm. the character and if you make the character deep but through loving, then the audience will be transitioned. They will have a, a, a transformation. They will have a cathartic moment because I love the character unconditionally. Wow. Mm. wow. I've never thought wow. of it like that. Yeah. On the surface, this character just seems like someone who would let a dog loose in a chicken coop and just watch <laughs> watch everything. But <laughs> Unsympathetic you, but in every way. if you really know the character, <laughs> you realize she's, she's hated chickens for a very long time. This was not an out of character. Like, this is deep. Okay, you really dig deep. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first and last time Liz is going to join us. Yeah, on yeah, yeah, she's yeah, like, I'm guys, feeling, I'm too busy. I'm I'm too busy. <laughs> Liz, that was great. You want to come on again? No, no, I did not. <laughs> that was a very, that was a very profound. Sorry, I'm, thought. In, I'm still in therapy from the first time. It's fine. <laughs> if you can schedule that after my, no, I think that's an amazing, I mean, the thought of acting kind of being this like ultimate act of empathy, I think is really powerful. It kind of makes me think about like, is there a truth that we could take even for those of us who will never be paid for our acting skills? Like there's something about, I loved her notion about like being a vessel for creativity Mm. or a vessel for that like character. I think about that a lot kind of with, with creativity and as an artist or as a worker, I feel very inspired and humbled and also empowered by this idea of like, I am, I'm the vessel for this thing, for this creation, for this thing that needs to come into the world. I think oftentimes artists can get like, I don't know. We think it's all like, it's so much about who we are and putting that out into the world. And then I think a lot of insecurity and ego and self-worth gets pulled into that. And I think if you can say like, I, I happen to be the vessel for this particular thing to come into the world. I, that, is a very um, empowering and kind of motivating mentality for me. And it seems really reminiscent of the way that she thinks about acting and kind of bringing a character to life. Absolutely. It, it reminded me of this quote I heard once from another actor that acting is the most loving job you can do because you have no choice, but to walk in someone else's shoes. And yeah. so I, I posed that to Taraji and uh, I loved the way she responded. Here it is. It's a real understanding of love because you have to understand these characters. And a lot of them are dark. You know, some of them are dark and some of them aren't morally correct. So you have to find humanity in them and the why so that then the audience can empathize. And that's in life, you know. That's how you change people's perspectives about a certain group of people. That really comes through in the new movie, too, Best of Enemies. I had a chance to see it. Have you guys been following this movie? Yeah. 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 Sam, Sam Rockwell is in it as well, right? 
Yeah, he's C.P. Ellis. He's the uh, KKK leader in Durham, North Carolina, where the movie takes place. And he and Taraji's character, Ann Atwater, this local civil rights leader, uh, they have to come together to lead uh, essentially a committee deciding if the town is going to have integrated schools in the 1970s. Uh, and it's awesome. I My kind of hot take coming out of this movie is I think it handles – uh, the racial conversation better than Green Book does. Wow. Uh, mm. I think I think it's super good. I also love the way it integrates faith. Uh, the characters are all very rooted in faith and those ideas are super present in the movie, but there's no like, you know, crazy come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. You just see how their faith informs their decision-making. <laughs> Actually, the second scene in the movie, we're like three minutes in at this point, is a KKK meeting and Sam Rockwell leads the clan in prayer and it's presented very straightforward and yeah. matter of factly. Right. Mm. And, and it's kind of jarring, but it adds a layer of complexity that really benefits the movie. It, it's such an easy recommendation. I really enjoyed it. Hmm. That's awesome. Hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I like cool. I like it when the I like it when historical movies get it right and then you know also get like the religion part of it right you know what I mean yeah. oh so, yeah so many times when it's like the, it's cartoonish almost you know it's like you can tell yeah. the filmmakers have never stepped foot inside of a church and it's yeah, like totally. yeah this didn't nail it so it's really good to hear that yeah. they handle it nuanced in a nuanced way yeah. and handle it right yeah so. and hey Taraji's awesome in it she's really funny in it too wow. full of personality so yeah best of enemies that's the recommendation for the weekend well there you go. Awesome. Well, yes, many thanks to Taraji for joining us. Make sure to go check out Best of Enemies, the releases today. Thanks, Tyler. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, we have a spe- Well, we'll tell you what's going to happen when we get back from the break. We don't go operate. Tell them I never like the way we want them operate. I want to separate. Upside Down Spirituality by Chad Bird invites you to enter a world where failure is success, endings are beginnings, and freedom is found as we learn to submit. It may sound counterintuitive, but the truth is Christianity is not just a nicer version of the world we live in. It's a completely different, upside-down, backward faith. Chad Bird invites you to put your ambitions aside and embrace nine specific failures in the areas of our personal lives, our relationships, and the church. With compelling examples from the Bible and today, Bird paints an enticing picture of the countercultural life God wants for us. Get your copy of Upside Down Spirituality by Chad Bird today, wherever books are sold. You're listening to Burner Boy and DJDS. The song is Darko. Okay, well, this is the part of the show where we do audience engagement, audience interaction. Listeners are participating. We've had listener of the week. We've had people call in. And a few weeks ago, we did, we tested out a new thing. Ask the cast. You guys tweeting us questions that then I go through and lob to the cast. I had a lot of fun doing it. I figured we'd do it again. We, you guys tweeted us at Relevant Podcast a bunch of questions for the cast this week. Here are some of them. You guys ready? Born ready. Born, Born ready. <laughs> are any of these questions Michael McDonald related? I would no, like to know. Not. I'm pro. I'm pro. Then I'm, then don't I'm need not ready. To, don't even need then to look I'm not ready. Those are the only kind of questions I'm prepared for. <laughs> All right. Taylor tweeted us and asked cast 
What do you think is the worst advice the church gives to young people? And then maybe what, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Ooh, the worst advice. That's, I mean, that's like a legit question. That's a great question. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> that, yeah. The worst <laughs> yeah, advice. We could be here all day. The church gives to young people. I, I mean, I don't know if, if it's like, I don't know if it's like advice, you know, but I feel like a lot of times churches will conflate, um, like what people do for work with like the entirety of their calling sometimes. Mm. Like mm. I, I feel like a lot of people will separate, will like say, well, I'm only one, I'm only going to pursue this career because I feel called to this one thing, but they kind of like, you know, for a lot of people, like, like I feel like they're calling, they feel like their calling ends there, you know, like, well, I'm called to be, you know, uh, wh- whatever their profession happens to be. But, you know, I feel like there's a tendency to conflate calling with career and there certainly can be overlap, but I feel like it should be more like a Venn diagram than a, than a perfect circle. And I feel like sometimes the church doesn't do the best job of like differentiating that. Do you guys hmm. think that's fair and accurate? Oh, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Liz, what, what do you think is the worst advice the church oh tells young people? Oh my gosh. I know it's a tough question. I, gosh, there's a lot. I mean, I think that, um, I don't think that the church does a great job of, um, with specifically with young people. I think we're, it's a very fear-based mentality about, um, curiosity Hmm. and encouraging curiosity and encouraging really honest question asking and, um, about anything. And I think that what that does to kids, to young people is, and I remember feeling this way that it was the the subtext of that was I'm saying that this is truth, but I feel so afraid about you asking a question that might lead you to a different conclusion that I'm going to dissuade you from asking a question. And then therefore the subtext is I'm actually not totally sure that this is truth because I feel the need to like protect it. Um, and And so I think that that kind of like fear-based mentality, as opposed to, I remember being coming into adulthood and kind of meeting, um, spiritual leaders who had just such a sense of confidence in who God was and what, and just like who they were made to be, that that confidence led to this sense of freedom, that it's like truth is going to reign. So like, and God made you to be creative and to ask questions and to kind of have this mind that works in a really interesting way. And, um, I don't know, I think our youth could really benefit. I think we, we create a false dichotomy where it's like, you have to believe all of this hook, line and sinker, or you're on the outside or and um, I think creating kind of a third path for engagement would be, would be amazing to see. Yeah, that's good. Lydia wrote in, uh, this, this question is prime for, for Liz. Lydia wrote in, my roommate's cat tends to pee on everything in my apartment from shoes to clothes. How do I cleverly get rid of the cat without my roommate knowing? Phone it. You guys, this is so bad. It, I it was feel like my reputation spiraled in the last 90 dog. minutes. I didn't know how much damage I could do to myself. Um, that literally, Olivia is living my worst life. That's all I can say. I can't even give her advice because the amount of anxiety and like if that was my life, 
I would wake up with just existential dread every day. I can't even tell her how to move forward because that's how bad that sounds to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so someone else needs to help room. Olivia out. Just move out, move on with your life. Yeah, there's no, there's no fixing this situation. There's no, there's no, we say that, that nothing is beyond redemption, but Olivia, you have found the situation. Cats. Yeah, they're just all awesome awesome creatures. Can Kathy Kathy can go to heaven. I don't know about that cat. <laughs> that cat is a demon. <laughs> Ashley wrote in, asked the cast, is cereal a soup? Is cereal a soup? I mean, it's, I haven't thought of it in those terms, but it, now that I am, it's clearly cold soup. It's clearly yeah. delicious. Delightful. I don't no. think grain. I think when you get grain involved, you've moved out of the soup territory. Oh, that's weird. It's weird. You have noodles. rice and soup. You yeah, rice, gumbo. Chicken noodle soup has rice yeah. and noodles. There's a lot of grain in that soup. Soup is mostly grain, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, think you guys are I don't think it works. And I think you need Here broth is why too. it's not a soup. Oh. It is not a soup because there are two entities that are standalone entities. Like you can eat cereal without milk. Okay. That makes it not a soup. Okay. Yeah, but you can eat without soup. You can eat noodles without soup without broth. Tyler, hold on, was Tyler? Did you just give the example of meatballs? Like, yeah. how often are you eating meatball soup? Like, you guys don't eat meatball soup. You, it's it's meatballs, and it's like a like a thick red broth, and you pour it on top of noodles. That's meatball soup. That's what you guys don't call that. You get, you get a plate. You get a plate of spaghetti noodles. You get that that thick ragu. <laughs> broth <laughs> put a bunch of meatballs in it dump it on there you got, you got meatball soup <laughs> that's what we call that right meatball soup that's where you went <laughs> well I'll tell you I'll tell you a soup that doesn't have no grains in it meatball the, the American staple meatball soup Campbell's Campbell's you just sell it out of their cans of meatball soup not a grain to be seen <laughs> Tell you destroyed your case. I'm sorry. Liz, did you say it was a soup or not a soup? Just not a soup. If you blended it, it would become a soup. Yeah. That's a smoothie. That's a smoothie, Liz. Actually, you're right. You're right. Uh, I stand corrected. I am someone who learns and grows and who can change my mind. You're right. That would be a cereal smoothie. Or or cereal. Oh, what's the name of uh there's some there's like a specific name. It's like a so are we saying Despacho. it's not a soup because because yeah. soups need to have a broth that is not milk. Doc, yeah, it needs to be like some sort of cooked broth. I think to make boiling it a soup. is usually involved in a soup. Gazpacho aside, I feel like there usually needs to be some sort of like even I don't cold, think you can just put something in a in broth and say it's a soup now, right? Well, even cold soups have to be cooked at some point. Some of the ingredients need to be prepared, right? So All like right. just. I, okay, I think we're saying it's not a soup. Yeah, well, okay. I, I disagree, and I think Tyler's opinion is disqualified because the <laughs> example he gave to back up his is meatball soup. And <laughs> you literally, can, no yeah, one's you can been like, Nashville anytime. I'll make you the best meatball soup. It's going to change your life. You're going to go. Yeah, you're going to go back to I'm, Loveland, Virginia. You're going to go grocery store. You're going to buy yourself up frozen meatballs, and it's the last thing you're going to eat for the rest I'm, of the I'm year. I'm just under the weather. I got a sore throat. I just need a, a warm bowl of meatball soup. That'll really get my. <laughs> All right. Uh, the the uh, Twitter handle Pragmatic Christian uh, wrote in. No, asked, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. What mistake or seeming failure turned out to be a blessing in disguise, taught you the most, or led to better opportunities? Oh, I, I, personal. 
I have, I have one. I have one. I created this recipe one time for a very <laughs> unique <you> product. <laughs> and I pitched it to Campbell's Soup. Yeah. And they laughed at me. And it was humiliating. And I thought, at least no one else will come up with a dumb idea for meatball soup. And today, uh, someone else did. And that taught me a lot. So, meatball soup. And that taught me a lot. Um, that was inspiring. Julie wrote in and asked, uh, I want to travel. I want to travel, but I likely will have to go it solo. What are some fun places mm. for a female traveler to visit? And what are some tips to stay safe? Oh my People gosh, I love this question because I am is it what's her name? Julie? Julie, yeah. I am so passionate about solo travel, Julie. And the really? whole world is great for the most part. Yes. I just, I love traveling in general. I love traveling with people that I love. I have learned more about myself though, traveling solo because you're I find myself to be more awake to the world when I'm by myself because I don't have these like kind of comfort. But don't Crunches, you want like right next to me? Don't you want to share and, the experience with someone? You know, like like, hey, look at that thing, and you have a person who also, you know, and then it's just a mm-hmm. really you'd rather no. Be the- I mean, I, no, I wouldn't rather. They're both so important to me. If you took either away, it would be devastating. But they do play really different roles, and mm. so many people don't travel by themselves. Like you're so much more open to kind of interesting experiences and follow. At least I find myself that it's like I'll strike up a conversation with somebody who is a stranger that I never would have if I was there with my best friend or my, you know, uh, because it would be like, Oh, I'm there to spend time with them as well. So they're both incredibly valuable, but I meet a lot more people who travel with people that they love who, who have never solo traveled. Um, and so I just think it's so important and I love it so much. And Julie, just call me. We'll talk about all the things and I'll tell you where to go. And I, as far as being safe, it's just like be self-aware and have general common sense, but it's there you go. the, I, I have found the world, to be a much less scary place than most Americans think it is. And you're getting, you're getting ready to go back to Uganda soon, right, Liz? Yeah. I leave in like four days, five days. So so when you travel solo though, like, cause I've uh, 99% of my travel is solo, but I'm usually going to a place where I'm meeting people that I know, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to Morocco, but I'm going there for a thing where there's other people at the thing. And I'm not like going to Morocco by myself. You know what I mean? Like, are you talking like when you travel, you're traveling for like vacation by yourself or are you talking like you're going to Uganda, you're going to do some things and you're going back, you know, by yourself? It's usually like work related, but I have had a lot of work related travel where I've literally showed up in a country and not known someone yet. So it's like not I'm going to be with these people that I know. It's like I'm going to discover what's there and like, is there possibility? And so... Um, I've done that too. Like I, I landed in Rwanda first time I went to Rwanda, hoping that the person who via email invited me to come was going to be mm-hmm. sending somebody to get me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know anybody when I landed, and yeah, yeah, I'm same thing. But you are going to meet with people. You're not just like going to Rwanda by yourself and then you come home by yourself, and like you won't enter. You're not, you're going to meet a group or people or whatever and do a work, right? not yes but a lot of times it's like of course people are apart like I've never been to a country where I just didn't have a conversation with anybody but like I don't necessarily know who they are yet it's like I'm just going to explore or like I'll tack on a couple extra days if I'm going somewhere for work to just be completely unplanned 
what does God have for me? I, I'm like very big. I, I have this thing called, I go miracle hunting. And so I'll just like wake up and be like, okay, here's the thing. Like there's something gold. And I, it's usually assuming it's going to be in a conversation or a person, but I have no idea like who they are, what it is. But I have found that it like just, I love miracle hunting when I'm traveling by myself because it's like the soundtrack just starts playing in the back of my mind. And it's like, Michael once you, once you like start <laughs> looking for that and you expect that it's going to happen, it's just, it's very magical. Wow. That is cool. That is very inspiring. Miracle hunting, vigilante vandalism and miracle hunting. <laughs> I am so weird. And now you're making printing. me feel bad for like my solo travels because you're going miracle hunting. I'm like, What's a churro? I've never had one of them. <laughs> <laughs> this country, this country, what an exotic place. It has meatball soup. I will pop in here. <laughs> and Liz is miracle hunting. Yeah. Ian asks, what's the difference? What's the difference between moist and damp? Oh, no. Why? Moist and damp. Moist and damp. Nuanced. I think damp is wetter, don't you? Yeah. I think so. I, I think I think damp is more like like if I have like a, a, like a jacket and, and there are beads of water on the outside, like that's damp. If I'm wearing like a hoodie mm-hmm. and it was raining and absorbed in the fabric, that's more of kind of a moist situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tomato tomato. I think here's the thing: if you if you're eating if you're eating a nice big bowl of meatball soup. <laughs> You don't mind if the meatballs are damp and sauce, but you don't want them moist and sauce. Yes, you do. So here's what I think the difference between moist and damp is. I believe it is the same thing physically, but it is a a positive or negative association with it. Like cake is moist. Basements are damp. Hmm. Hmm. So it's like, are you in, is it, is it like a benefit to the object that it has um, a certain, water content or is it negative and if it's positive then it's moist if it's negative it's damp like damp sense. has a mustiness like mm-hmm. uh, like you gotta clean this thing. Yeah. I, I think damp. i think damp is more of a uh it's more of a general descriptor too like a basement can be can be damp right but a basement can't be moist <laughs> Right, unless you were to eat the basement, yeah. <laughs> then it could be moist. Yeah, so maybe damp is Good on point. the surface of an object, uh-huh. and moist is within it. Within it, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hard hitting question. Uh, it's oh inner- no, because towels can be damp, it's but true. it's negative. No towels one wants a damp, damp towel. Yeah. Tell me something where you would say it's, it's damp, and you're like, oh dang, yes, I was hoping for that. <laughs> yeah, it's true because I would be like, man, this. Uh, you know, this grilled chicken is very moist. I wouldn't be like, this grilled chicken mm. is very damp. It's damp. Like, like, did you did, did you leave damp it in the rain? Chicken. Like, why is my chicken damp? Yeah, no, I agree. It's 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 a nuance. Right, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. we'll close we'll close on this one. Uh, Taylor is asking for some travel advice as well. So, uh, I'm taking a road trip in a month. How can I make my drive more interesting? The oh, driving, man. the driving part, the long, Limitless. the long parts. Limitless. You, yeah, I mean, you want to see how long you can go with your eyes closed for a single. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone pick eighteen up, seconds. Pick up I've every hitchhiker. Seconds. Pick yeah, up every yeah. hitchhiker. No. Oh my gosh! Yes, pick up hitchhikers. Oh, it's like basically. I mean, it's so funny to me that it's like we we are moving. It's like oh my gosh, we did hitchhiking in the sixties. That was so dangerous, and now we literally just do the same thing, but we pay for it. Yeah, oh, it's, it's called Uber. Uber. 
Yeah, yeah I, I think I do think, yeah, you know, inviting random people in your car and talking to them is very important. Like I talked to I I've, we talked about this on the podcast. I talked to every Uber driver and they always have great stories. I heard a great story from an Uber, Uber driver the other day. He was telling me about his life and he has a, lived a fascinating life. And he like worked for like a nightclub in Miami at one point. And he started as the cook and he worked his way up to the nightclub uh, owner. Then he got out of the nightclub business because he's like, I got shot eight times. I'm like, what? And he's wow. like, with an Uzi, an Uzi like Rambo wow. uses. Wow. Yeah, that and, is wild. Yeah. You never know what That's kind wild. of you, you, when you're going to sit in the car with Scarface and have him regale you with cool stories from running nightclubs in Miami in the 1980s. Now he's driving around. You know, we got Miami Vice here driving around an Uber and no one knows his great stories because no one's taking the time to talk to him. Talk to random strangers. That's, you know, I don't think that qual- qualifies as miracle hunting, but I like the conversation. I, no, it does. That's how it starts, Jesse. It always starts with that. It really does. Ninety percent of the miracles come from conversations with people that you're just like awake. You believe they have the miracle for you. So for that example, it was like this really fascinating, crazy story. That's the miracle. Oh. You went miracle hunting. So Liz, you're, you're, you're an extrovert, right? No, I'm actually an introvert. So when you no travel, believes me, when you travel by yourself and you're an introvert, <laughs> you engage people in conversation or you're just open to engaging them. If they initiate, like, do you initiate? Both. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have to push myself to like, no one believes that I'm an introvert, but it takes like, I have what I refer to as pre-social anxiety. It's like once I'm in the social situation, it's usually fine. I'm tired by the end of it. But like, I have major anxiety leading up to social. I have to like pump myself up to go into social situations. But I also find that one-on-one conversations, like I actually hate parties. I really dislike parties, but like, Talking one on one with a stranger in like a gas station coffee shop is is much more energizing to me. Question, follow up question: How okay. do you pump yourself up to go to a social situation? What's your What's your um, routine? What's the plan? Do you really want to know yes. why am I? You guys yeah. have like truth serum for me. Why am I telling you all of my things? Let's hear it. Let's hear uh, it. Here's what I do: I listen to the Last of the Mohicans soundtrack. Did not see that one come. I love that, it. I love I'm it. More, that more, clearly more, will be Liz. the closing song for the podcast today. Not, I was going to say, you guys, a, I am serious. If you have never done this in your life oh, before, you. if there is any challenge ahead of you, if there's anything that feels daunting, put on the Last of the Mohican soundtrack. It's beautiful. Oh, I it's can hear inspiring. It. I can, yeah, yeah. And I have actually never even seen the movie. I only listen. I don't even know what the movie is. I just listen to the soundtrack. And it's so, it makes your life feel like a movie. And it's so so epic and you will feel like you can do anything. I listen to this, it like through both of my labors. I listen to it before I have to go into a party, all the things. Yeah. I, it's, it's, a really, great mo- it's a, it's a great movie, Liz. Yeah. Maybe you should yeah, watch it. If you were looking for movie night, yeah, I mean, but here's the, the thing: then the it will be associated really well with the movie, the movie to me. Actually. I kind of like that. It's, uh, it's just kind of become my like your soundtrack. I don't know. It's yeah, fine. it's like yeah, yeah, it I means see. something to me now. Yeah, that is I, interesting. I, it's the same thing. Listen, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Dan has come home. I'm wearing blue face paint and I am <laughs> screaming uh, to the Braveheart soundtrack. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I have uh, a, 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 you know, a social event. I have to go to. <laughs> getting pumped up. And I like it, Liz. I love Movie scores are very underrated. Like if you look on my Spotify and my iTunes is like basically all John Williams. It's like it's just we underestimate. I, I just think movie scores are they're my I'd say ninety percent of the music that I listen to are movie scores. Wow, interesting. 
So you would say, so you would say that one thing Julie could do to help speed her, make her drive more interesting, is play that that Last of the Mohicans soundtrack. And instead of just on, a, she's on not on a road trip anymore. She's on an epic quest to go. She's on to, a quest. That yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yep, it will transform her her ho hum commute into a quest. Life into would an adventure. life would feel more epic. If we had a movie soundtrack playing, I'm 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 picturing this now because like that clip we played in the hot list of the coach praying, you know, whoever made the clip put kind of epic music in the background and it made the prayer even more epic. You yeah. know, so it's yeah, like that's true. If she's oh, yeah. driving, yeah, good point. If she's driving, Lord of the Rings, um, Last of the Mohicans, The Truman Show is a really good one. Surprisingly, The Truman Show um, soundtrack is amazing. Just it's just Shaft. <laughs> but, but, that, but no Liz you're giving me an idea especially Cameron where you're talking about the locker room prayer that they put the music to yeah is why don't sermons have soundtracks mm-hmm. you know like hold on hold on, hold on hold on charismatic churches dude that last quarter of the sermon that oh, pe- yeah. that keyboard player True. has come yeah. out well yeah well, they, okay but building. that's the thing they wait they wait until they're like can I have the band come back up please just right. play something soft behind me guys just yeah. just kind of vamp for a minute you know yeah. and they yeah. you know they're just getting ready for the altar call yeah I like Liz's idea where right from the very beginning like yeah. i see the lights on the stage go and just a single spotlight on the pulpit it's like dun, 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 dun. and the pastor comes out everyone starts going crazy and then you know there's all these emotional highs and lows of the sermon then he gets then that's when you do the altar call you know like trying to get the band to prep to warm up the every head bow every eye closed moment yeah. Right, you know, you're really cutting yourself. You're short. saying go all I, the way in. Yeah, I'm. I'm saying get these, get these epic soundtracks going through the whole sermon. You know, like yeah. really play with emotions here. You know? So don't idea. bring the keyboard player out. Bring a string section out. Bring Hans yeah. Zimmer out. <laughs> Our worship leader today is Hans everyone Zimmer. needs a tiny Hans Zimmer in their pocket. Listen, listen. If I could get the acoustic guitar player, the keyboard player, and Hans Zimmer to just hop up on stage for a minute, we're going to close out. We're going to close out, and now I'm going to ask for every head bow, every eye is closed. Uh, I'm going to need everyone back in the orchestra pit too. Prayer team, prayer team, we're queuing up to the altar. There's going to be people up here, everyone. Yeah. Well, thanks for everybody who sent in questions for the cast this week. There's a lot more and uh, we will do this again. It's a lot of fun. Um, to wrap things up, I want to thank Squarespace for making the episode possible. Remember, go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Also, thanks to Taraji P. Henson for joining us. Uh, you heard it. Tyler Daswick, full recommendation. Go check out her brand new movie. Comes out today. It's called The Best of Enemies. True story. It's a really powerful true story. Uh, it's coming out today. Go check it out. Hey, have you gotten your official Relevant podcast mug yet? Uh, head over to relevantmagazine.com slash store to pick up your favorite, plus some other weird stuff and merchandise. Uh, we, keep, we are adding new products to the Relevant store. Go check it out. There's a lot of fan gear and other stuff. And plus, every issue of Relevant Magazine is there. So um, go check it out at relevantmagazine.com slash store. Also, hey, if you like the podcast, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review and and rate it. Uh, we are like, what, like two votes away from a full five-star yeah. rating. Uh, so go check that out. Um, do the right thing over there. Yeah, do the right thing. Give us those five stars we deserve. And while you're there, check out our other two new podcasts. Relevant Daily has launched in the last few weeks. Uh, Subscribe to Relevant Daily. It's 10 minutes long, give or take. 
It's uh, every day, every weekday, and it's the stories you need to know at the intersection of faith and culture. Uh, these guys uh, bring bring the goods every weekday on Relevant Daily. Go check it out. And also, Unedited, Unedited with Karen Strang. Um, right now, the new episode has Abner from Johnny Swim on it. It's an awesome conversation. He uh, he talks about his faith. He talks about pursuing Amanda. And uh, over the years, he, he talks about the importance of community. Uh, he talks about what Chip and Joe are like in real life. Uh, it's, it's, it's totally unedited. And about halfway through the show or halfway through the conversation, he goes, you're going to edit this, right? And I laughed at him <laughs> and said, nope. <laughs> still in I've, had that, still I've in. had that same feeling about 19 times in the last 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, actually, thanks a lot for joining us, Liz. It is, that was a lot of fun. We yeah, got to know you at a level I did not expect. It is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you and me both. So, surprises. <laughs> uh, keep your eye out for her new podcast that's uh, in the works and also her book that comes out this fall. And check out their amazing stuff at Seiko Designs. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, no chickens were harmed in the making of any other products. We are chicken free at this point in our <laughs> company's evolution. I'm they, so proud to say. Currently, we are chicken free. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Liz Forkin Bohannon. We will see you guys on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. You guys don't eat meatball soup. It's it's meatballs, and it's like a like a thick red broth, and you pour it on top of noodles. That's meatball soup. That's what you guys don't call that. Relevant Podcast Network.